Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Richard Stamen, also known as Mr. Mavs Draft. How's it going, Richard? It's good. Uh, still a little bit surprised about how quickly this basketball season snuck up on us, but doing pretty good. How about you? Doing good. Um, just finishing up my Thanksgiving break here. We're recording this Sunday, November 29th. So we kind of got our first weekend of college basketball. So um, some takeaways, some, you know, obviously we need to see a lot more. Um, You know, we were talking before the podcast started and you mentioned a few times like, you know, some of these games were just tune up games. Yeah, I mean, like let's let's call what some of these are, you know, let's call them what they are like. These are bona fide preseason games. Like, there's some where you just you can't take much away. I mean, if you look down the ESPN list of uh, the scoreboard, I mean, there's so many D2 schools playing, and like, not all of them are against these NBA prospects. But I don't know. There's just there's only so much you can take away, you know? Right. I mean, you see, you know, USC taking on Cal Baptist, and yeah, Cal Baptist hung in there, but it's you know, it's not like the Gonzaga Kansas matchup that we had, or you know, the Baylor Arizona State that had to get canceled. Um, so, um, still nice to see some of these guys out there, um, you know, in uniform and at the college level, and and we'll talk about some of those notable performances in a minute. But since we are Mavs draft, I figure we could kick off the podcast uh, really briefly, just talking about the um, the Mavs free agency and trade period. Um, you know, obviously we covered what happened on draft night um, in the last episode with Josh Richardson and then the three picks that they made. Um, but, you know, two new two other new additions, as well as um, bringing back three of their own free agents. Um so I guess we'll we'll start with uh, the new additions. The one I'm most excited about is James Johnson, just because, you know, you need that tough guy. We we've we figured that out. Um, it's all about changing their identity right now. Um, and while he may not give you a ton of stuff on the court, you know, at least you have you have that if if he doesn't contribute much else. Right. And I mean, he was playing well for Minnesota, too, before the shutdown, too. So it's not like he's just there to be tough. Like he can actually still play. And I remember he played like small ball five, which uh, for a team that loves going ultra small, you got to imagine that's going to be utilized um, at some point for Dallas under Rick Carlisle. Yeah. And I feel like oddly enough, he's like the the closest thing to a LeBron stopper that there has been. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about James Johnson, but, you know, he he does give LeBron a hard time. So, um, you know, maybe there's a little added incentive, but I think we all know the reason he's here um, is so you don't have people like Marcus Morris just walking all over Luca, and then Chris Stapps getting ejected for like, you know, that's not the guy you need to step in and defend (laughs) your 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 teammates. Yeah. And the expiring contract helps a lot, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of that, they were able to offload Justin Jackson and DeLon Wright. Wright had that extra year on his contract, so you do open up the $8 million or whatever, $9 million that you would have still had to deal with had, had you retained him. Um, and I see you shaking your head. I, I think we're both a little disappointed that that one didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both loved DeLon before the season, but, uh, I mean, it's just incredible to me that they really flipped – 
two negative assets for the team, like into a guy who is an expiring, not only they hit both check, uh, check boxes, excuse me, uh, but they went, you know, they got the guy who's expiring and they got the enforcer. So I don't know. I think that was, uh, that was pretty impressive. For sure. And another defensive wing, they added Wes Awundu. Um, was he out of Kansas state a few years back? Yep. Yep, okay. So I vaguely remember him, um, you know, probably, uh, you know, end of the bench kind of, you know, defensive wing addition. But again, you're just continuing to add to that stable of wing defenders, which the Mavericks so badly needed. Yeah. And I remember we watched that draft at your place. That was the first uh, Mavs draft draft. And uh, I was excited for him in, in Orlando, but uh, he just didn't, never really developed that jump shot. His ball handling didn't really translate because uh, at Kansas State, he was a point forward. He ran a lot of the offense. He averaged like three or four assists a game, I think. Uh, I mean, he's he's a reclamation project. He's kind of a, I don't know how to say it nicely, but he, he didn't keep his focus, I guess, a lot of times like in the playoff game for no reason. They were down 20 against Milwaukee, and he's trying to start a fight. Really weird stuff. Uh, just never really fit in Orlando, but maybe Rick can turn him around. Uh, he is kind of that mold that the Mavs would probably like as a reclamation project. So I'm hopeful. All right. And then three guys that they ended up bringing back, um, Trey Burke, who, you know, showed up in the bubble, was phenomenal in Rick's scheme, got rewarded with a three-year contract. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein coming back, which will especially be big at the start of the season with Porzingis, um, you know, having his injury issues. Uh, and then Berea on a one-year Vetman deal, although that puts them at 16 guaranteed contracts. So someone's going to get cut. I'm guessing it's Berea, and they're going to assign him to the coaching staff. And this is kind of, you know, Cuban doing his whole thing of, you know, doing right by his, you know, his his long-term players. And Berea obviously is, has been, um, you know, a Mavs legend at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, you kind of say it jokingly, but let's be real. I mean, the title doesn't happen without him. Uh, I mean, you can say that about every single player on that team. But, uh, I mean, the stuff, the hell he gave LeBron, I mean, the like Matt, he's been a Mavs legend, really, for fans. I mean, the, he was the man who took the Bynum elbow. He's the man who killed Andrew Bynum's career. Like, I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been here. Like, and, you know, it's uh, – I, I agree with you. I like that theory. Uh, I do think J.J. is the one to go, unfortunately, because – it sucks what happened. Like, it's not his fault with the Achilles and everything, but, I mean, that's just – that was a death wish, you know, and I, I do agree that is the best route. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think out of these additions, the most – the one I'm most excited about having back is Trey Burke. Um, you know, I love Brunson, but Burke can do things that Brunson can't do and vice versa, right? Brunson's more of your kind of – floor general, whereas Burke is the guy who can go get you some buckets when, when you really need them. Uh, both guys have a lot of value. Um, I think Burke can play off the ball a little bit better, um, and I see him having a, a real legitimate role uh, on this team again. Yeah, and I think they can complement each other really well together. Like I think if the Mavs want to run that three-guard lineup, which ultimately will happen, let's be real, um, Brunson and Burke could definitely man that unit together uh, I think Brunson would be best like you said as the lead guard and Burke as the score uh, and I do think that it kind of unlocks Brunson's best moments like if you remember when Luca went down uh, those were some of his best games when he had full reign of the offense I think there was a game where he had like 
what was it, 13 and 11 or something? Does that sound right in December? Maybe that was before. Uh, but I know he was dropping, you know, big assist numbers and getting some scoring on not bad efficiency. Uh, and I think Burke honestly helps him. He doesn't, you know, Brunson won't have to force up shots as much as he did last year. Uh, just kind of eases his responsibility. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, again, I didn't want to spend too much time uh, on that. Um, but, you know, we are Mavs draft, but emphasis right now on the draft part, even though the Mavs <laughs> don't have a first round pick, uh, we're still going to talk a lot about college basketball this year. Um, and so we had a lot of uh, notable performances. Um, and again, just kind of seeing some of these names in action for the first time um, is exciting. Um, and so I, I think, you know, the name that we should start off with is the guy who's kind of the consensus number one guy, Kate Cunningham. We talked about him briefly um, in the last episode, but did you get a chance to watch that Oklahoma State game? Yeah, thankfully. Um, Cade Cunningham definitely is must, must watch TV anytime he's on. Uh, he's just that good. It's kind of an Anthony Edwards situation where his team isn't that good around him. He's got Isaac Likely. That's the only other NBA guy on the team. Uh, there's some guys who just make way too many questionable decisions. You know, last year Oklahoma State was like a bottom feeder in the in the Big 12. But Cade Cunningham, don't fault him for when he has to start taking over games and his efficiency drops. He is he's special. I mean, I, I, I I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think right away you're going to notice that, you know, the the guys around him aren't at the same level. Um, and if you just go and watch a, you know, highlight package of him on YouTube or something, you're going to miss a lot of the really good passes that he makes because they're not going to end in made buckets on the, you know, on that end of the floor. Um but, you know, you if you watch the full game, then you'll see, you know, the reads he makes out of the pick and roll and transition. Um, excellent live ball passer, excellent court vision. Um, and so I think what I am most interested to see, because I know he can do those things, is, OK, how is he going to get his buckets when everyone's keying in on him, um, you know, at this level? So is the shot going to come around? Um, you know, the the finishing looks good. Um, really tight handle. There were a couple plays where, you know, he kind of lulled the defender to sleep and then just blew by him and, and had a strong finish at the rim. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that development. Yeah. And, dude, I love what you said about the passing because uh, I pulled up his game log and against UT Arlington, he had three assists and against Texas Southern, he had four. Uh, which very obviously underrates his passing ability. Like that is, he is not a four and assi- four assists per game guy. Um, his you're you're missing a lot by just watching the highlights. Like he he's a good defender, I think. Uh, I mean, dude, like you said, the jump shot, I think it comes around eventually uh, in the NBA. You know, like I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. And that's probably would you say that's his biggest weakness on offense right now? Like well, pull up shooting. Yeah, yeah. And then I think for me, it's just the learning when it's time to take over. So, you know, watching that UTA game and UTA is a good team. You know, they're, they're really not a bad basketball program. Um, Obviously not at the level of what you would expect Oklahoma state to be, but regardless, um, Cade started slow. You know, you saw the facilitator in him trying to get everyone involved. Um, 
And I think he maybe waited a little too long to kind of say, okay, it's, it's time for me to get mine. Um, which is a weird thing to say, because obviously if you have somebody who is kind of that engine, that primary facilitator, that's what you want them to do. But in this particular case, I want to see that aggressive scoring mentality. And we got there eventually. Um, but I guess I would have liked to seen it a little sooner, but I mean, I'm nitpicking at this point. No. And and, I mean, that's exactly like the thing with Kate is like, even his weaknesses like that are so minor that I, I I just, I don't see a way he gets unseated as number one. Really. I I just barring God forbid, like devastating injury. There's no way he gets under, he gets unseated for me. I, I would agree. Um, if there's a player who can unseat him, if something happens or, or, you know, another player just goes absolutely, you know, off the rails, who do you think that guy is? So I, I would say only two guys can really come for him. Uh, and they're both named Jalen. So either Jalen's Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green, one of those two would be the two. And if you wanted to throw in a third place, maybe BJ Boston. Yeah. I think those are probably the most realistic names. I think let, let's move on to Suggs. I think that's a good segue. Um, you know, Gonzaga had that big game against Kansas. Um, man, Gonzaga looks good, by the way. <laughs> they look they really, really good. <laughs> They're really, really good. Um, and and Suggs, I think, is a big reason for that. Uh, obviously, the highest-rated recruit Gonzaga's ever um ever recruited, I guess, uh, or ever brought in Gonzaga. <laughs> um, I, I think the the only thing with Suggs, why I don't think he'll be able to unseat Cade, is I think their games are pretty similar, but Cade is just a much more physically impressive player, you know, with the size difference, you know, Cade's, you know, what, like 6'7 with a 6'11 wingspan, and Suggs is more yep. like 6'4 with a 6'5 wingspan, and I think Cade's a better athlete. Um, but otherwise I do think their games are pretty similar. Suggs is a very complete game. Um, I think one of the things people wanted to see from him coming into the season is, all right, he's a combo guard, but can he really be a one? Can he really be a, a lead facilitator? And to me, the answer is yes. Based on that Kansas game alone, some of these passes he was making, some of the decisions he was making, I was like, okay, this, this is a point guard. Yeah, and and we've seen guys, you know, peak early. I don't think Suggs is going to be one of those guys. Um, I, I remember, I mean, dude, it's crazy when 9 of 15 for 24 points isn't the most impressive part of your game. What really was is he had eight assists to one turnover. And then in the Auburn game, he followed it up with six assists to, to two turnovers. Like, he's he's got it down. That's a, a trend for the future. That's not a fluke. He's, yeah, spot on with the combo guard and being able to be the point guard. And he's, I think, as true of a combo guard as we have seen, honestly, in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think the fact that, you know, because he is a little underwhelming from a size perspective, the fact that he is able to, excuse me, he, he is able to play the one at a high level to me, um, I think gives him a lot more versatility and makes him a lot more likely to be a top three, four pick. Um you know, than if he were to be someone who could was more classified as a wing. Um, so, and an undersized wing at that. So, um, 
Suggs made a big impression. He was a guy that you mentioned last week as well as, <laughs> as someone that you were really watching this year. So, um, you know, I, I, I was going to watch that game anyway, because it was a, the first, you know, monumental matchup of the season. Um, but yeah, Suggs did not disappoint this weekend. Yeah, he was good. And Gonzaga is going to be facing a tough out. They're one of the very few teams that plays a uh, tough out of conference schedule and their West coast, uh, the West coast conference isn't exactly like weak. I wouldn't say like San Francisco is good. They'll be facing consistent competition. Yeah, actually, I think one of my favorite plays of his was when he when he had that and one of it kind of looked like he was going to go up and dunk it. Yep. And instead, he ends up just holding the guy off with his left arm and, and finishes <laughs> with the right. I was like, oh, wow. OK. <laughs> um, yeah, he's but I mean, he's, he's, he's already he's built NBA ready, you know, at this point. Um, I want to talk about his teammate, Corey Kispert, too. I think he's got, you know, maybe some second round potential. Um, so what do you think about him? I know I think he had more than 20 points in, yep. in both of their matchups. Yeah, so he he would have been a fringe second guy. Uh, I know a lot of people on draft Twitter were big on Kisper. I wasn't as big on him last year, or you know, for from last season. Um, but I clearly was wrong. Um, I think his athleticism showed, and I think it was the Kansas game where he was he pulled off a few like dunks in traffic, uh, not over anybody, but you know, just around people, um, which was really impressive. That was an area where I just hadn't seen him take off last year that was my big concern I was like how does he what does he do when he's not shooting and he showed he can make an impact when he's not shooting so I I agree I think he's a solid second round pick that I mean dare I say he'd be nice on Dallas he'd be real nice in Dallas like yeah I'm pulling up his stats I I the shooter uh what, what would you describe his position as uh he's he's probably uh I mean he's a three yeah, yeah, that's how I see him too. Like kind of an off-ball three. Um, I mean, last year he shot 44% on five and a half threes. Shot 81% from the line. The shot is legit. Like that is a guy. Yeah, who he's got a good shot. Luka Doncic. That's the guy you want next to Luka Doncic. Even if he's just a bench guy, 12th man, whatever, I'd be happy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Drew Timmy also deserves a shout out. I'm not sure if he's going to end up really being a draftable guy just based on the way that the NBA is trending at this point. But I mean, he's got some of the best post footwork I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And post footwork matters like that. It's outdated, but it doesn't mean it's irrelevant. And right. and also we're a little bit biased because uh, I mean, we both, yeah, he's a local kid. He's, he's, he's pretty close to both of us. I mean, JJ Pierce isn't, is like what, 15 minutes from me by five from you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> close by. I regret not going to see him play um, so, oh. in high school. No, 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 that was it. Yeah, I saw him versus Tyrese Maxey. That was the only time I saw Maxey was versus him. And I, and everybody was like, oh, this guy's going to Gonzaga. He'll maybe make the pros. I'm like, he's a post guy. He's not going to make And like, dude, he's legit. I don't know. I think that kind of talent is like so good that you take in the second round and say, eh, maybe we can develop him. And, and the way I look at it is like if Philip Petrusev last year, who could not play more than 10 feet out from the paint, was seen as a legit prospect. I see no reason why Drew Timmy isn't. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You could maybe find a role. I'd just be concerned yep. from, you know, a defensive perspective. Right. Um, and I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he'll end up developing a shot. But I kind of mentioned it with Isaiah Stewart before um, when we talked about him, uh, I think, in our Baker's Dozen episode. Um, 
when you have a guy who can score like that in the post, you're never going to ask them to shoot the ball because why, I mean, it's, you're taking them away from what they do so well. That doesn't mean they can't shoot the ball a little bit, but if he can score 25 points by just posting up, that's so hard to defend at the college level. Why, why wouldn't you, you know, the, the yep. college game is, is different than the NBA game. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on from the uh, Gonzaga kids. Um, I thought another really impressive, uh, again, highly recruited player to USC was Evan Mobley. Um, Probably one of the only post players who has a real chance of going top 10, maybe even the lottery, Um, you know, maybe outside of Usman Garuba, but Mobley looked really, really impressive. Yeah, his game his game translated from uh, high school pretty smoothly. Um, I mean, the athleticism is crazy for someone his size. I mean, he is one of the quickest jumpers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just the way he gets up and I mean, you pass it to him, he's not getting blocked. It's it's rare. He's a great athlete. I I do buy the shooting potential. Uh, obviously, it's been a slow start shooting wise. I mean, he's five of eleven from the line. So it's not going to look impressive to see 45%, but um, I, I do think that the shooting potential is there long-term. It's not something that you're going to see necessarily year one, but he's athletic. I think he can be a positive perimeter and interior defender once he adds strength. So i uh, really big fan of his game as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely needs to add some strength, but the lateral mobility was insane. I mean, I know it's Kyle Baptist, but still he's – you know, hedging on these screens and and staying with the guard, and then he'll he'll you know retreat back and um, in an appropriate manner in a timely fashion. Um, you know, his his pick and roll defense looks really good. Um, I, I agree that I think the shot could come around. I think there's a lot of stuff to like about it. I think he needs to widen the base out a little bit. Um, and the basketball IQ's there, IQ is there, too. Um, I forget who it was, but I saw someone post the clip on Twitter of, you know, he, he kind of slips a screen, goes to the high post, and then feeds his brother for an alley-oop. And he had another play where he, he drove down the left side and kind of threw a behind-his-head pass to his brother uh, again. And I don't know, maybe it's just because they played together for so long. But th- those were impressive you know, impressive passes. He had another one where he was kind of in the short corner. He took a dribble baseline and then threw a overhead pass to the opposite wing. So, you know, those are flashes that you love to see. Uh, a lot of people were talking about James Wiseman as a Chris Bosh type just because they're lefty. But to me, if anyone's Chris Bosh, it's Evan Mobley. Dude, could not have said it better myself. That is the best. There it is. Like, I don't, I don't even have anything that can top or come close to what you just said. That is spot on. He is the next, if there's any next Chris Bosch, it is Evan Mobley. Yeah. And he's got a way to go. I mean, you know, it's upside. It's upside. Yeah. Like people forget Chris Bosch is, you know, was a superstar, like a 20 and 10 guy routinely who, you know, even when he was playing behind a prime LeBron and Dwayne Wade was still putting up like 18 and nine. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of player you're getting that, you know, stretch big, you know, can block shots a little <laughs> bit, um, 
you know, has, has a, a little bit of a jumper, um, but just athletically and, and the build reminded me a lot of Bosch, the way that he's, he's, he's just so much more fluid than Wiseman was. Yep. But he's not as, you know, he's not the physical specimen. He's not the broad shoulders, the leaper, you know, they're different players. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you something. So if, if Evan Mobley this year averaged 15 and a half points per game, nine rebounds per game, uh, one assist, one steal, two blocks on like 56% and then 73% from the line, would that be right in line with what you think? Like over, under, where do you see like his stat line going? Near? I think that's fair. I, I could see him maybe scoring a little bit more uh, on that USC team, but I, yeah, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> That's Chris Bosch's stats from Georgia Tech. Oh, so well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So that's. I was like, those are really... oddly specific numbers. Yeah, I don't know no, where no. you're pulling that from. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why. And it, it's not a stretch at all to. I, I really don't think calling him a Chris Bosch. Like, really, this is the guy. Like, we've seen Marvin Bagley. Just because you're left-handed and can stretch and are 6'11 does not make you Chris Bosch. Like, right. And this guy is Chris Bosch, though, if there is any Chris Bosch. Um, speaking of Marvin Bagley, how about his brother Marcus, uh, who I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a better pro. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's a little bit low of a bar right now to clear, but it's not like it's not Marvin's fault. Uh, obviously Marvin is the better prospect coming from college, but, uh, Marcus has gotten off to a hot start. Um, you know, the, the game, I think it was against, what was it? Villanova, whoever they played first. Yeah. Um, I really liked what I had seen. You know, the shot was falling. Or Rhode Island. It was Rhode Island. That was the one. You're uh, right. You're he, right. Went, he went two of seven, but you would not have known because he went 10 of 14 from the line. Um, you just I, – I like the shot. I completely buy it. He went two of four from three. It was just kind of finishing was an issue. Um, and same thing against Villanova, three of 11, but three of eight from three. Um, at the least, you know, he's a high upside guy. The shot is 100% legit. I don't see why you wouldn't buy it. Good athlete. I do think his as he adds strength, his finishing will get better. And the Arizona State team is a really weird team too. I don't know how much it actually plays to his strengths because it's so ISO heavy. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I admittedly didn't really get to watch um, at any Arizona State this weekend, so he's a name that I, I wanted to ask you about and catch up on myself. Um, and then you also mentioned Villanova. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, kind of picked up right where he left off, uh, had some impressive games this weekend against pretty solid competition. Yeah, and I'm still, as much as I love Josh Green, I'm still bummed that Jeremiah Robinson Earl didn't keep his name in the draft and uh, and could have been a Dallas Mav. I would have been very happy. But um, if he goes this year, the Mavs won't get him. So he is, he's going to be very good, though. He's a jack-of-all-trades, kind of master of none. Uh, the way I've described Jeremiah Robinson Earl is just he's a maxi Kleba, but just more well-rounded. I, I think that's like his best comparison. Yeah, I, he's he's strong, too, man. Like there were a couple uh, plays I saw where, um, you know, because you have to respect his jumper because he was hitting. I think it was against Arizona State. He was kind of hitting these mid-range jumpers and even kind of extending it out a little bit. And, you know, then he'd throw, throw pump fake, one dribble, attack the rim, and, and finish with, yep. with power and strength. So um, definitely a player to watch. I, I didn't get to watch the Boston College game 
I did see someone say like he might want to burn that tape on the defensive side of the ball. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. We'll, we'll see uh, from that perspective. Did you do you have any concerns about him defensively? No, he'll he'll be just fine. Um, for him, a lot of it. I mean, he had a bad game, but for him, so much of it just comes down to like, <clears throat> is it gonna go? It's like a yes or no thing. Like his shots rim in and out so much that like his three point shot, for example, just the percentages just don't do him justice. He'll be fine in the NBA. It's just for whatever reason, it just is bad bad luck. And I think that can be said a lot about some of his stuff on defense too. Okay. Uh, let's go to another uh, sophomore, or no, he he'll be a junior, won't he? Io Desumu is he a junior now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about him because he had a really impressive three-game stretch. Granted, Ohio was probably their only decent competition, but even in that game, you know, more than 20 points. I, I think he's averaging like like 25, eight and seven right now. So. Yep. Um. Obviously, he was a guy who was maybe even a fringe first rounder last year, decided to return. Um, and it's way, way early, but could pay dividends for him. Yeah, he set a good bar for the Big Ten games, though, once he gets into conference play, <clears throat> if he does starts doing this consistently. Um, I think the flashes are legit. I mean, his free throw percentage is pretty much identical right now. Uh, obviously, significantly less attempts. Uh, Nine, uh, 85 less attempts to be exact but uh like the touch is there you know his shot is falling like his shot looks good the math checks out kind of thing where it wouldn't surprise me if he hovers around a lot of the numbers he's at now obviously i don't think he stays at 26 points per game like it's kind of an unrealistic bar but he'll drop a lot of 20 point games this year uh he's 100 percent an improved player uh so i believe in i believe in him being a fringe first guy this year too so what, I mean, what's kind of keeping him from sneaking into the end of the lottery, let's say? Yeah, it would just have to be, I mean, can he consistently shoot? Because last year he shot 30% from three. That, that's, yeah. that's the test. Uh, that's kind of what I was going to say. Um, is the shot legit? Um, it looks nice, you know, aesthetically speaking. Um but is that going to continue? We'll see. I think his left hand gets a little bit too involved, maybe. Um, I, I got to watch a little bit of that uh, game against Ohio. I think I watched, like, most of the first half. Um, and, you know, when he's shooting free throws, I noticed his his left hand kind of turns a little bit. Yep. And I'd like him to, you know, take care of that if possible. Um, but I, I think he's, he's a legit defender. Um, and if he can keep the assist numbers up too, um, you know, kind of prove that he's more than, um, you know, just a slashing and defensive, you know, Alfred Payton type of guard, um, <laughs> then I think there's there's reason to believe that he could get into the 20s or, you know, maybe even higher. Yeah, completely agree. I completely agree. Um, all right, I think the last... Well, okay, so we got the three Kentucky prospects and then Jalen Johnson at Duke. So let's start with Jalen Johnson. Um, had a really interesting game. He had like almost 20 and 20, I think. Yeah, so 2019 and five with four blocks and seven turnovers on eight of eight shooting. Like that's, I don't care that it's Coppin State. That's not a team that you want to really be evaluating tape on, but 
like the standouts traits were legit. The athleticism is insane. Um, like he's he's gonna be good. He's not ever gonna drop a twenty twenty five and four game in conference, but uh, he could do almost all of that except the twenty rebounds in a game. It wouldn't shock me, you know. Yeah, I, I really like his um, his his court vision. To be honest with you, for really a combo forward. Um, I think that's a really good, uh, a good skill for him to have moving forward. Um, you know, like a lot of combo forwards, what's the shot going to look like, you know, long-term, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, man, the athleticism really jumped out at me, like really jumped out. He was, he's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very interested to see, cause Duke has a week conference out of conference schedule. Once they enter ACC play, I'm really interested to see how many blocks attempt or blocks he gets per game. Um, okay, let's let's quickly wrap up with the um, with Kentucky. So three names stood out while I was watching them. Uh, BJ Boston, of course, looked the part. Um, Terrence Clark and Isaiah Jackson. So how would you kind of rate those three? Um, you know, based on their performances this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to say much against Moorhead state. So like, obviously these, these are one of the games, this is one of the games that like we were talking about with tune-ups and things like that. Um, but I mean, BJ Boston, easily the number one guy from that Kentucky team. I mean, he's powerful uh, shot creator. I, I just, I don't see how that guy doesn't go top five. Um, Isaiah Jackson, I think was the one that stood out the most. I think he went what four or five or something like that. Yeah. Sorry. Just pulled up four or five had two blocks really like him. Uh, Terrence Clark will be good as well. Um, you know, 12 points, four assists, four rebounds, three steals. Again, not too much to take away long-term, but they showed the flashes, um, that they, why they are first round guys. Yeah. That's, that's a team I'm really looking forward to getting into conference play. Um, you know, again, it's good to see them just in a college uniform, but, you know, what can they do against better competition? Uh, I especially want to see if Isaiah Jackson can keep that up, because if he does, you know, there's another kind of undersized post player, but I think he makes up for it with his wingspan and his his athleticism. Um, but maybe another guy who could, you know, be be a worthwhile first round pick um, as a post player. Yeah, and again, and like you said, I mean, it's just it's about what he can do going forward. The conference play is going to be huge for him, for sure. So, were there any other names that you wanted to touch on uh, today? I mean, I know we we talked about quite a few guys, and I'm sure there's more, but uh, anything that you feel like we missed? No, uh, I think we got I think we got everybody so far. The only other one, maybe Josh Christopher. Uh, I know you said you haven't watched much Arizona State, but since he's such a big name. He had a great game against Nova, won 11 of 17, but dropped the ball against Rhode Island. Uh, it's weird. He's a really ISO-minded guy. I really don't know what to make of him. Um, he's going to be a polarizing guy come draft time. All right. So let me go ahead and pull up the uh, mailbag questions. I think we had a few. We kind of posted it last second. Um, so let's start with, uh, with our buddy Matt Landry. Why do you hate Auburn? <laughs> next <laughs> uh all right next it is uh all right uh 
Ryan Mainville, who are the top three NBA prospects playing at Texas-based universities this season? That's a good question. It's a tough question. Um, I should have prepared a little bit better for this question, but Greg Brown, 100% number one at Texas. Uh, I think Jared Butler has to be number two at Baylor. Um, and, man, number three, is, number three is a tough one. Who would who would you say? Um, I feel like there's someone obvious that I'm just absolutely blanking I know, that's on right I'm now. I'm kind of going back and looking. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it might have to be Matt Coleman at this rate. <laughs> Uh, no one's immediately coming to mind. I'll say I'll say a dark horse. I'll say Ferran Hunt from SMU, freak athlete. Okay. Does TCU have anybody? Uh, probably not for this year. They got I, there's a guy I love long term, Mike Miles. Uh, he's from Lancaster. Um, that would be the closest I would say, but probably not for this year. I'm going to say Matt McClung just because. Oh, <laughs> I hate you so much for saying that. I hate Matt McClung, man. <laughs> hey, he had a good game. He had a good like game, but Northwestern State. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's got a great high school mixtape. Oh, yeah. One of the best. One of the best for sure. Um, all right. Daniel Ollinger, how high should I be on Aaron Henry? He's a nice second Michigan round prospect. State, I believe. Yep. He's a nice second-round prospect. Uh, I'm, I'm actually about to, as soon as we're done with this, so I wish Dan had asked this a couple hours later. Uh, but <laughs> I'm about to watch the Michigan State game from yesterday. Um, great defender. You know, last year that was his big flash. Can kind of handle the ball. Um, I don't know what the three-point shot looks like for this year. If he improves it, go ahead and mark him as an early second. Yeah, I, I'm looking at his numbers from last year because, again, I, I he's not a guy I watched. Um, 34.5% from three last year, 70% from the line, uh, shot 69% from the line the year before. So, um, yeah, it looks like you're, you know, you're watching to see if the shot improves for this year. Uh, Sean Murphy asks, who are the top four names to start to watch? Was, was that international? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. No, you're, you're good. Uh, so, obviously, Usman Garuba. Um, Mario Nakic, Carlos Allison, and then there's one other uh, that I'm just drawing an absolute. I know there's a Rocco Pertation. Yes, yes, yes. And and if you wanted to keep a name in from 2020, uh, Rokos Jukubaitis. Okay. As well, kind of similarly named on that, but uh, there's a the, there's an Australian kid, and I'm blanking on his name. Hold on, I'm gonna find it. Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. Oh, from yeah, yeah. Adelaide. Josh Giddy's legit. So um, I haven't really gotten to dive into any of the international prospects yet, but I think those are some names to watch. So Giddy, Garuba, Percation, and then I think you added a couple more. Yeah, uh, Allison and uh, Mario Nakic. And FIBA just go. started up, I think, a couple days ago. So uh, this is actually like a perfect time to ask that question. I'm, I'm just a little bit behind. Okay. Um, NBA satirist, can anyone in this draft next year be an upgrade to 37 year old who was two years removed from an Achilles injury? Jared Butler. (laughs) Hey, I would take Jared Butler. If if the Mavs are looking for a backup point guard day one, take Jared Butler. All right. Uh, satire indeed. 
Uh, Tyrell Terry's biggest fan. Uh, he asks, where do you think is the Mavs ceiling this year, considering KP comes back and stays healthy? I'll let you answer first. I'm interested to see your answer. I'm going to throw you under the bus. If I mean, it depends on how, like, what are we considering healthy? Like, is he able to play any back-to-backs? Like, I think realistically their ceiling is probably like a four seed. Um, I think you need some things to go right. You know, I don't think you're going to be better than the L.A. teams. Probably not going to be better than Denver. You know, so then I think is when you kind of get into your Utah, you know, Portland, Dallas, New Orleans kind of group. Yeah, it's a massive Warriors Warriors are going to be up there, too. Um, What do you think? Yeah, it's a massive cluster. Um, I I agree. I think four seeds really the ceiling. Um, if we're being realistic with KP missing part of the season, that might might be a little bit of a stretch. But um, all right. So Andrew Lawler asks, who are your favorite upperclassmen? Which of them can contribute right away? I mean, I would assume Moo for sure right now. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely him, Jared Butler. Um, those are, I mean, those are the two guys that stand out. I mean, you could even make the argument Oche Baji, even though he's still pretty raw. Uh, it's crazy to think that he's now an upperclassman. Like time has flown on him. Uh, looked good against against Gonzaga, and he has a big game coming up against Kentucky this week. Um, I, I think he's another guy. He's a high upside guy. Not doesn't fit the uh, immediate contribution though. Yeah, I think uh, Keontae Johnson out of Florida oh, has a pretty pick. decent chance, too. He's a really good athlete. Um, so we got two more here. Freddie Ruger says Chris Smith. Talk about him. I'm going to leave yeah. that to you. Yeah, I, I had Chris Smith as a fringe top 60 guy last year. Uh, has all the physical tools to be great. You know, six. I think he's 6'8", combo guard forward. Uh, he's like, I mean, I guess textbook shooting guard, uh, but pretty great size. Um, just kind of has to put it together. A lot of times last year, he just, I, I guess he just didn't really use his tools. Well, there were times, obviously he had like 30 point games and then times where he would just play himself off the court. Um, so just consistency and, you know, getting, getting it going out game to game is huge for him. That'll put him in the draft range. All right. And I can already tell you, I cannot answer this question, but maybe you can, uh, Eddie asks, who is Jalen Green's player comparison? It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, he's a freak athlete, I would say, with a nice jump shot. Uh, so go ahead and draw in all your uh, all your comparisons from that. Like he is legit a top five prospect. Uh, the problem is, is just I mean, we don't know what he looks like against non high school competition. So I'm yeah. really hesitant to start throwing player comparisons on uh, from high school. Yeah, show everybody me. Everybody looks like Jordan, you know, like right. Show show me what he does in the G League, and you know then we can we can start um, we can start talking. Um, there actually I lied. There was one more, but it's more of a plug for us. Uh, Hiram asks, how often is the podcast? I haven't listened, but we'll start. Maybe listing your must-watch games of the week would be good if you don't already. So maybe that's something we can Ooh. start doing. Um, but to answer your question. Uh, we record about once a week. Uh, we don't have a, uh, specific schedule. Um, but once a week, give or take, um, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple podcasts. Uh, Richard also posts 
our podcast to his website, mavsdraft.com. You can find a lot of his content there, his written stuff. Um, go ahead and follow Richard at mavsdraft on Twitter. You can find me at Jared underscore cats 30. Um, I had a pretty big surge around draft time. So thank <laughs> everyone for, for following. And uh, again, want to thank everybody for tuning in, for listening. Um, means a lot to us. Uh, Richard, anything you want to add? Yeah, uh, I appreciate everyone as well. And I mean, draft season was really fun. I can't believe it's kind of back already. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mixed bag. Honestly, I kind of wanted a little bit more than like three days of a break. But hey, I, ball is life. You know, basketball never stops. Nike produced those shirts. Like it's, uh, it's legit. Like this is, it's never been more applicable. Uh, but to answer the question, so with the must watch games, I'll list a few. Uh, Tuesdays, I think it's Tuesdays, the games are just stacked. We got Kentucky, Kansas. Duke, Michigan State, um, Wisconsin. Or, oh, I'm sorry, that's I misread this. Uh, but then the next day, um, Illinois versus Baylor, which is the battle of the two guys we said for best upperclassmen, and Jared Butler and Ao Desumo. So really good games go. this week. It heats up. This week is like I'll I'll tweet a lot more because I'm sorry I just couldn't. It was hard for me. I tweeted about TCU, Houston Baptist, and I just it, something felt off about doing that. Uh, I just I I really feel like a lot of these games this week were like the preseason games that they don't get because a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of these teams go overseas and play, uh, you know, just tune-up games, literally tune-up games starting in August and September. When they play preseason games, you just don't hear about it. Uh, that's pretty much what this first week was. So uh, that's why I wasn't really tweeting, but I'll be back this week. All right. So sounds good. Again, thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.